0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m., where we discuss and dissect the supernatural.
2: What's the scariest thing you've encountered?
1: my name's dj and
2: my name is sean this is the 3am podcast we tell funny stories
1: we tell scary stories anything in between welcome to episode 104 we're back in our old studio
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, a lot of podcasts a lot of productions they do this super predictable thing in growth they move linearly linearly they move forward and up and and we go backwards (laughs)
3: Dude, we really are. We don't even have a background right now, dude.
2: Do you know what? I, was, I couldn't get this song stuck out of my head the other day. It was, uh, the rains came down
3: and the floods <laughs> came. I guess we probably should give them an explanation for <clears throat> why we're moving backwards. Sean, why are we back in DJ's room recording? Okay. <clears throat> the craziest thing happened. You know that hurricane that just hit New Orleans? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to claim that. But <laughs> Okay, so we randomly got rain here in Utah.
0: Never happens. Reason.
3: It really doesn't. Like, At the
1: capacity that we got it.
3: It was never. It was it was straight like monsoon type rain. Buckets. Buckets. And I'm just like sitting down in the basement. Sitting. Just on my computer working, you know, because I'm remote. Typing. And typing. And all of a sudden I hear leakage. I was like, what's going on? So I look around. Looking. I look behind me, and there's the window well for the basement. And it's not really a like a legit window well. It's kind of like a dugout ditch with these big stones at the top. Ditch, bitch. (laughs) And water is kind of filling up in this little window well. And I look around, and it's probably like four inches up on the window. And I'm like, well, that's not good. So I run to like go and grab a piece of wood or something to like put in front of the window. Hustle. And then by the time I get back... The rain is now like 12 inches up on the window. And I'm like, this was literally one minute. Foot That was one minute. It's, oh my gosh. And so I started freaking out and run upstairs to tell landlord. And I was like, yo, it's raining. We're filling up. It's looking bad news bears down there.
1: Communication.
0: And
3: then I run back downstairs and it's two and a half feet up the window. They're stressful. Stonks. I was like, well, I don't know what to do now. (laughs) And there's no way that we can stop this. Confusion. And then at that very minute, the window shatters. And just this wave of water comes into the basement. It takes the couch with it. And I was also about ready to eat some Chipotle for lunch. I had this Chipotle bowl just sitting there. The wave took my lunch with it. I didn't find it ever again. (laughs) Hungry. That's (laughs) crazy.
2: And before you think it's like a small wave – it's a huge couch and the amount of water picked the couch up and like threw it against the back
3: wall threw it up against the wall <laughs> as i'm like as i'm like watching this unfold the thought occurs to me maybe you should use this wood that you've been gathering to block the windows to maybe block the hallway that leads to the bedrooms and the studio i was like oh that's the a good idea the studio by which we just completed we just completed we like we took our
2: entire bank account everything we've ever saved from this show and bought this new room.
3: (laughs) And Sean's like, wait, the water. Maybe I should block this up. So I like throw this board down there and gather a couple other like boards and just kind of dam up the hallway. And as this wave is coming in, just filling the living room and kitchen and everything with mud and bloody water. And I'm just kidding. But it didn't get into the hallway except for like an inch to two inches of water. So like the flooring is all just destroyed in the bedrooms, and the studio, but nothing equipment-wise got broken. No water damage there.
2: DJ was saying the wood you put down was probably like two feet high, and yeah. the water level was like an inch below
3: the top of that wood. It was so close. <laughs> <laughs> and just barely water got through, killing all of the flooring, but that was about it. So oh.
1: if it wasn't for your quick thinking,
3: we would have lost everything. I like to think that I saved the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. You did.
3: But anyways, we lost the studio for the time being.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so we'll be up here for a minute. I texted DJ and I was like, bro, you should go grab all of our equipment and throw it in the water. (laughs) Or at least say it got wet and then uh, claim it on insurance.
3: Yeah, but the insurance didn't do anything. Apparently, insurance does not cover floods in Utah. Because they're like, that doesn't happen. You have to buy flood insurance separately. Oh, that sucks. So, I mean, in in the moment, that would have been a great idea. In retrospect... Which one are you sinning, Judah?
1: I'm always. Why did God do that to us? (laughs) Have you been touching yourself recently, (laughs) Shawnee? No. Can't get your way to heaven. Climb the ladder to heaven with one hand. (laughs) You right.
2: You right. Uh, I told my sister about all the floods, and she's like, "Well, y'all have been praying for it because, like, Utah is in such a bad thing of drought." Like statewide, everyone's praying and fasting for rain. And then right when
3: it comes, everyone's like, no, 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 like too much, too much. Every inch of rain that the whole state of Utah was praying for ended up in our basement.
1: (laughs) That's actually one of the points. Okay, quick preface. Uh, The studio is in the basement of my parents' house that they built two years ago. So me, Sean, and Kevin have been renting out for the last couple years. But when the flood happened that's one of the excuses my dad used He's very calm and like high stress <laughs> uh situations and he said everyone's been praying for rain and if if what it takes is our house to get flooded then that's okay
3: oh my Damn. god
1: <laughs> the most chill yeah, <laughs> yeah super chill that's so tender but it's to a fault <laughs> because my mom super sad the opposite which is fine we can have both you know Uh, people cope people grieve differently but she was very sad about the whole fact because they pumped a bunch of money into the house obviously the house is pretty brand new for them as well
3: yeah
2: well y'all finished the basement like two weeks before this (laughs) we've had the studio
1: finished before the basement so yeah yeah it's it's that new but uh she was distraught by it even more so when finding about the insurance not being able to cover any of it oh yeah yeah tens of thousands of dollars yeah and my dad <laughs> my dad i'm not trying to rat him out because people don't know what they don't know but it's just funny to hear him console her and he's telling her things like ah oh, don't cry uh at least uh at least we're not in uh, afghanistan know yeah? <laughs>
3: And you're
2: like, ooh, I like, That's not right now. Ooh, hot, hot, hot.
1: It's an ice. Yeah. <laughs> well, what a, what a crazy comparison <laughs> compared to like the, the worst thing happening right now. Uh,
2: <laughs> y'all, you should pull out of that conversation.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, evacuate. Yeah.
3: That logic. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of do the same thing, though. Like when shit is really hitting the fan. Like sometimes I'm like, well, it could be worse. <laughs>
2: that's was like, true. Thanks. <laughs> yeah.
1: And that's the thing; you can think like that, but not everyone does.
3: Oh no!
2: I so when that. people
1: grieve, like you have to be accommodating to Ooh, how they hundred
3: percent. Yeah, true.
2: To me,
1: that's how empathy works. It's like I can't be. Have you ever listened to Brene Brown?
2: Oh, oh yeah, bro, daring greatly. Yeah, <laughs> hell
1: yeah, brother. Her bit on empathy changed my life. There's a little Tell short me, that you can watch about it. The short is just like three minutes long. So short, you know. It's real as, short. That's what should be. And she illustrates somebody being in the hole, going through something rough. And it's not our job to be on top of the hole, like from ground level. And like yell down at them and be like, oh.
3: It could be worse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know. Like, Stop
3: crying. It could be worse. It <laughs> could be a hole in an Afghanistan <laughs> Yeah.
1: Or- yeah. Like she says things like, well, my husband is abusive or whatever and the other person says at least you have a husband you know like we try to silver line things
2: gonna pull a husband and hit you
1: (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah we gotta uh reach inside us find something equally dark and climb down into the hole with them and say that sucks yeah and you don't have to be by yourself i'm here with you and when you want to come up we'll go up together
2: in all my wise years of being in a relationship, just all the things I know more than our (laughs) listeners. Um, (laughs) This is for the young men out there. (laughs) Bro, sometimes people just want you to listen (laughs) rather than trying to fix. Yeah.
3: Have you guys ever come across anything like that? Oh, I'm just recently learning how positive I am in dark times. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Like because of the... No, just... Like whenever anything goes wrong, I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's not bad. We could be, it could be worse. Let's do this. This yeah. will fix it." And I'm realizing that some people just want to. They just want you to hear. Listen, yeah,
2: that's the hard thing too. And it's like you could call this sexist or whatever, but like at least for me and my experience and all the dudes I know, it's like you just want to fix things. And so someone will tell you an issue, and you're like, "Oh, okay. Well, let's do this, 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 and this." And that's like, and that's not what they want to hear. It's
1: just yeah, that they just want you to listen. Yep, to be there with them. Mm -hmm. I can relate to the listening, to be honest. I'm split. Sometimes I just want to fix things. It depends. But sometimes I don't want to hear anything. Just agree with me. Yeah. You know, for the for a little bit. Just validate. I know I don't have to stay sad and I'll 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 decide that on my own volition. (laughs) You know? Like
2: Sometimes I open it up and I go, do you want me to help fix or do you want me to just listen?
1: That's a great question. And then very,
2: qu- very clearly they're like, just listen. And I'm like, cool. What's up? That's an incredible that is question. That's a good question. Dude, it's so much easier yeah. than Can guessing. I write that down, yeah. Dude? Yeah. Go ahead. Pause the pod. Write that down. Yeah.
3: This has been Relationship Help with Charlie yeah. Let me fix your life. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Speaking on
1: Afghanistan.
2: Oh, <laughs> We're going there.
1: <laughs> no, we're actually leaving there. <laughs> oh, shit. Dude, it is uh, insane. It's a minefield. It is. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Bro, all the videos got me so sad. It's it
3: really so like, okay, sad. As like, we're laughing. People
1: crowding in the airports and in the planes and on the tarmac. Dude, I cannot imagine a situation that would make you think that literally holding on to a flying plane would be the better option. Right. <clears throat> like, what, what what kind of a life is that? Do we blame Tom Cruise for those people believing they could do that? I was that? just
3: saying, thinking the same
1: yeah. thing, dude. <laughs> is he culpable? Um, <laughs> you know what's also insane? And uh, depending on what kind of person you are, it's either comical or it's sickening or it's both. And I think it, all, it can be the same altogether. Dude, yeah. It's something can be terribly sad and you can still laugh. That's just your reaction. Yeah. But when the Taliban came in and they're all uh, driving bumper cars. Did you see that? Yeah. No, They found like a theme park in Afghanistan. There's a video of all the Taliban like playing, having fun in the bumper cars. The... Just a strange like simulate uh, simulated reality Dude. matrix.
2: Yeah, it's like what's happening? Yeah, I
1: know. This whole place has turned into Mad Max. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the milk? <sighs> <sighs> Witness! Dude, I'll
2: preface <sighs> everything by like loss of life is sad. It's I just want terrible. everyone to figure their shit out and be nice. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't want to go in too deep on like how I feel about like this. Uh, we don't have to. Yeah, political, but it's like a weird time. And it's it's it's, it's since we've been like ten, we've been over there, and then all of a sudden they're like, "All right, we're out." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Like, yeah. what? What's going on? Yeah.
1: And I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm not trying to uh, like fantasize the whole like they're, they're fun at the theme park. <laughs> it's just uh It's very strange.
2: If you were an alien visiting this planet and you witnessed that, you'd be like, "What's going on?"
1: Yeah. I'm still like, what's going on,
3: dude?
2: Uh, Anything else on?
1: No, what were you saying?
3: I was going to say, what's like the
2: craziest uh, weather or natural disaster event you guys have witnessed or been around or experienced?
1: Probably all in the Philippines.
3: Sean? For me. Well, yeah, the ones in the Philippines were pretty gnarly. Like what? Tell us about the Philippines.
2: The Philippines
1: is very prone to typhoons Mm -hmm. and hurricanes, and they're constantly getting bent over for them
2: real quick shout out to any of our listeners who are in hurricane alley in louisiana one of our listeners was straight up just fleeing was fleeing and they were like i guess i'm just gonna listen to 3am and hope my house is there when i get back yeah Yeah. like shout out if there's anything we can do dm us or it is uh we want to fix your problem
1: it it was uh strange because my family is very private about taking care of some problems so it's like the basement flooded and people like neighbors so nice checking on us and immediately our reaction is thank you but we don't need any help like we can take care of it Mm -hmm. so there's like six of us shoveling mud pumping water Mm -hmm. and whatnot but they kind of forced themselves on us and uh sent out like a blast to like the neighborhood via facebook like the facebook group and uh, within, like, a half hour, like, 40 people showed up. And in two hours, the whole basement was cleared and more or less cleaned out. And uh, that's really it, sweet. Was, it was really sweet. What was I trying to get to?
2: People working together, people coming together, or being willing to accept help? I
1: don't know. Before that.
2: Natural disaster, Philippines, monsoon.
1: I don't know what I was trying to get <laughs> to. I, I, I forgot. I don't know why. Um, but the Philippines, people are very, just the way the land is. It's set like there's typhoons all the time Mm -hmm. so we had the worst one that i lived through destroyed like the village next to where i was at so when everything settled down like the very first day after things were calm we all went and like repaired uh an elementary school the community the church other churches and uh it was really cool but it was really sad You could see like the waterline come up to like eight feet high, yeah, which is like twice as high as every Filipino. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, uh, yeah, lives are lost, but it really like brought people together too. Like you think of Katrina, so dude, honestly, I was going to say, yeah, we're a part of.
3: um If you have the ability to help in any way, shape, or form, like it's worth it to help. Like for me, one of the most fulfilling experiences I ever had was after Katrina, I was living in Ohio. I drove down with like a car of like six people and we just went around New Orleans like helping people gut their houses, Mm -hmm. clean up drywall that was all soaked and just like getting everyone ready for people to come through and like clean things up. And just seeing the people, what they'd been through, like first of all, my my thought is what? You can't complain about anything in my life anymore (laughs) because my life is not that bad. And on top of that, just like seeing the gratitude of the people who were able to help. And that was also kind of my gratitude when 40 people are helping clean out a basement. Because I hadn't eaten all day. I was bucketing water out for hours before people showed up. And it's just such a blessing to have people, if you can, help out.
1: true. And and in these kind of situations, you can never prepare. Like, I mean, you can prepare, but... It's always unexpected and for us we weren't as prepared as we could have been and uh, I think when there are good people and you're fortunate, fortunate enough to have them help, then extend them the opportunity to grow by letting them help.
2: Okay, that's like uh, a lesson I have I had to learn the hard way. I When I was living in Australia, people would offer me things. So like, hey, can I get you a glass of water? Hey, can I get you something to eat? And myself, I don't want to be a burden on anyone. So I would always be like, no, thank you. Oh, no, it's fine. It's No, no, no you're okay. And someone pulled me aside and they're like, bro, just say yes. Because like they want to give it. It will make them feel good to give it. And if you receive it with like a happy, thankful heart, like you will add benefit to their life. So from then on, people were like, you want some water? I'd be like, yes, I'd love some water. That's so awesome. Like, thank you so much. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like, yeah, if people want to help, let them help. Or like at least be open to that. And then be willing to offer help. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. It goes both ways. No, it's a hard pill to swallow. Like uh, another example with that is the only like material things that we lost. I don't know. Who, <laughs> All of your things? Who, who else lost? I don't think anyone else lost material things. The only the material thing that I lost was my entire record collection, which I've been working on for six, seven years. Did you feel mad targeted? What do you mean? By God? Oh shit! (laughs) We were asking who's the one that was sinning. Yeah, Yeah. I'm starting to think uh, it wasn't Sean. I am a vain man. I'll give you that. Um,
2: But you've 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 uh, sacrificed a ton of time and money. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing, people. uh, I I manage a record shop in Utah, and people caught wind of it and wanted to like replace my record collection or at least parts of it. And like my initial reaction is like, no, like no one's dead. Kind of thinking like the same logic as my dad, you know, like we st- the roof is still over our heads. We're all safe. We're okay. That's the most important thing. But people kept pushing it. And uh, it's it's tough to be vulnerable and just allow people to help you. Because it's like, yeah, it's true. Like there are places in the world who have it worse right now. So it's like, why should I, you know, accept people buying extra commodities for me you know a luxury (laughs) a luxury it really is but like there's times in my life where like music has like really saved me and vinyl was like an extension of that so other vinyl collectors have felt similarly and wanted to uh provide that little piece for me again so it was just like it was it took a couple days for me to accept that
2: well I'm, i'm proud of you dude thank you i'll take the time to thank our patrons right now because they continue to grow. We continue to get more patrons. Yeah. And it's like the more support comes in, the more we are able to do the things we want and grow the pod. And so we built the entire studio, uh, which will we will get back at some point. But anyway, thank you guys for reaching out and supporting us, whether that be just telling a friend about the podcast, sending in a story, or through monetary our patrons.
3: It all goes so far. Shout out to
1: all of you. Yes, sir. Anything else?
3: I don't know. Uh, I
2: was in Australia during a level five cyclone, which is the highest level it can go. It's called Cyclone Yassi, Y-A-S-S-I. And I was in a town here, and the worst part of it hit like an hour north of us. So it was crazy. Uh, We spent like a week going around everywhere, taping windows, like barricading doors for old people and stuff. And we had to stay inside for like four days. It was crazy. After it all left, we went around and, dude, we just like shoveled mud for days, cut down trees and like removed them from people's yards. And we went to this one yard and we were just like picking up all these fallen trees. (laughs) And I was in flip-flops and there's like six inches of water on the ground. So I'm just stepping around this backyard and I stepped down and something sharp goes right into the middle of my foot. (laughs)
1: Hell yeah, tetanus.
2: So I pull it out and it is a rusty ass nail. (laughs) Oh my gosh, dude. And I just looked at it and I was like, "Uh, I'm serving a mission right now. I'm serving the Lord. I need your protection on this one. I was like, do me a solid here, God. Just like, let's both forget that just happened. So I straight up was just like, oh, it didn't go that far in. it just punctured the flesh. Yeah. But I was like, "Is that enough?" I don't know. So I like, you know, spit in it and like rubbed it a little, and I (laughs) didn't go to the hospital. And like three days later, I didn't have lockjaw and I didn't die, so I was like, "Okay, I'm good."
1: (laughs) Dude, I uh, went back to the Philippines about two or three years after I'd come home from my from serving my my LDS mission uh, because I was part of an emergency response team to a huge typhoon. Uh, It was like the biggest one that they'd had in a very long time. It was all over the news internationally. Um, everyone knew about it whether they had a connection to the Philippines or not but it struck very close to where Sean and I were uh, located during our missions so I found a humanitarian organization and worked with them to create a team uh, where we would go down and help provide relief and it was uh, really humbling uh, it was devastating like we got there like three months after it happened, and there was still so much to be done. Like there was a huge barge, like shipping barge, that was in the middle of the city. Like the typhoon had pushed this ship into the middle of the city. That's damn. Like after tomorrow, it was, yeah, I exactly. It was still tomorrow. there while we were there, and we cars were a going hipster running. restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, um, but there was still a lot of work <laughs> to be done. We were there for about five weeks, and. There was one day where we took off.
2: So you're like, let's go do some fun. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like our team of like 12 people, we all spoke the language except for like one or two people. We just needed a break because we were working our asses off day and night. We needed a break. So we planned a beach day. And we go to this beach about two hours away. We rent uh, a Jeep and we we drive out there or a Jeepney, if you know what that is. We drive out to the beach, we bring food, and we're having a good time, and uh, it's getting towards the end of the day, watching, uh, we're at the bottom of this super steep cliff, covered in beautiful greenery, and we're watching the sunset, and uh, just feeling very grateful to be there. And the water starts getting spicy. What? What is that? My whole body starts tingling. Then all of a sudden, I am on fire. I run out, and there's a jellyfish on my shin or on <laughs> my calf, like, hugging my leg. Ugh. <laughs> I grabbed it with my hand, and I wh- whipped it back into the water. Um, yeah, I had, like, these uh, – the next day, there were, like, cavities in my – uh, like, somebody, like, uh, scraped out, like, <laughs> meat from my calf. Uh, there's still a little bit of scars there, but – Shouldn't have gone on vacation during uh, humanitarian efforts, <laughs> dude. Shellfish
2: is like, get your ass back to work. I know. Get back to work. <laughs> the barge is still in the city. Yeah. <laughs> and you're out here. I thought you were going to say, like, all of a sudden the water started slowly receding. That's what, <laughs> what I was super thinking, far too. Off. God's like, round two. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, crazy, crazy. There's like a weird thing that happens in communities where when they're going through a time of distress or like tumultuous whatever, it bonds communities. Mm-hmm. And people almost miss that time. I.e. New York after 9-11, mm-hmm. people say the entire city was like unified and won. There was so much pride, love, open doors, help, camaraderie. Mm-hmm.
1: Everything's forgiven.
2: And even though it was like such a terrible time, people like miss it in a way. Mm-hmm. And so even like, you know, you're, you guys' flood happens but all of a sudden this entire community just comes together and it's like who cares what you're doing, who you are, it's like everyone come together and help. I
1: don't know. No yeah, definitely the byproduct of it is just lots of humanity. Unfortunately that's not always the case because uh, in that same typhoon that I was going to as a response for relief people were like stealing and looting a ton. So like uh, both sides exist but it does seem like for the most part, people band to- band together to help each other. And it's sad that it has to take like a huge natural disaster in order for us to have that.
2: And know. We're stubborn ass. I know. Like animals. We're all <laughs> stubborn.
3: <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that was thoughtful. Thought <laughs> provoking.
2: Anyway, we hope everyone out there is good. And if you're in a position to help, help. And if not, don't. It's up to you.
3: Yeah.
1: But we would encourage you to do so. Pay for it forward if you can.
2: Your boys,
1: let's get into our stories. Now we roll our twenty-sided die. See who goes first. Highest number goes first. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. <sighs> I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest. Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet, uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp h slash 3am.
0: True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed Terror Takes Center Stage.
1: 17, six. So it's me, Charles, Jean. Ooh, This week's story comes from a listener. His name's Pat. So Pat uh grew up on a I don't know if he grew up or spent a lot of time on a ranch. It's like a family ranch. And did I say he's from Texas? Nope. No. Nope. Pat's from Texas. Sick. Fitting. So he spent a lot of time in this house on the ranch. That was very old, built in the late 1800s. It started as a single room, just four walls and a fireplace. And every 30 years or so since it was first built, they've added extensions. So there's weird rooms and hallways that just kind of look like it was just placed there from what it sounded like. And Pat said, this house had all of the, checked all of the boxes that made it creepy always felt like you were being watched strange things happening noises I love the part where he said that if you turned around just quickly enough you would see something walk past the end of the hall so that was the feeling growing up or spending time in this house I think he moved out for college or in his late teenage or early 20s and during that time his Grandpa started getting sick. They put him up with hospice in that house uh, 24-7 monitoring. They had a a day shift and a night shift uh, nurse to take care of him, uh, cook, clean, you know, the works. This all happened in the last couple months that he was alive. They got to know the, the night nurse because for whatever reason, they were helping her out a little bit. With some of the duties around the house and a night nurse who we'll call joy nurse joy came to them one day specifically pat's mother and said i don't mean to alarm you and sometimes people don't want to know these things but did you know this house has a presence pat's mother very curious exit on uh they gather it's now pat his wife and mom sitting in the living room with nurse joy and they're saying tell us more you know what have you been experiencing joy prefaces her experiences with uh saying that i've always felt like i was sensitive since i was a little girl always seeing things that that aren't there and they've manifested themselves physically giving me evidence know that i'm not crazy so uh she starts to get into it she said since i've been here i've consistently seen and heard four spirits here in this house the first one is constantly walking through doors and searching for something he will look in all the rooms he'll open drawers trying to search for something doesn't seem like they've found it so their search continues The second spirit stands guard at the door of Pat's father. Just standing guard. Nothing else. Third one walks around the house staring at all the family pictures. Just gazing into the eyes of uh, the family in the photos. The fourth one. This is not a good one. This fourth spirit is outside and constantly... Bangs on the garage door, trying to get into the house. We don't let that one in. So Joy is telling Pat and his family these things. And it it sounds like they believe her. They're taking her word for it. But nothing malicious. Joy expresses that she's not nervous or scared. This is just what it is. And that maybe, you know, at the very least, we can be aware of it. And we don't have to be anything more, at least for the time being. So they're they're asking her more questions, and one of the questions, which is the most interesting thing that Pat took away from this whole conversation, they ask her, "Have you talked to them?"
3: Why the hell would you talk to?
1: Them? I think. Uh, let me scratch that. The question was, "Can you talk to them?" <clears throat> Joy responds, "I can." But. I'll only do it on my last day. Smart, Joy's smart, dude. Con- Joy continues saying, "When you talk to them or start to look at them too long, they can sometimes follow you." Really leading on to this happening previously, you know, speaking from personal experience. Pat and his family said, "You know, you can do whatever you want, but we care about your safety." so we wouldn't suggest talking to them you know she agrees and she doesn't and she stays until i believe grandpa passes away and, and that was that with nurse joy later on i don't know how soon after or if it was years later but pat and his wife i think moved back into the house the ranch house and while there they continued to experience a multitude of things that weren't sitting right things that they couldn't explain. There's uh, the the list is pretty long. When you go through it, it's all pretty typical. Everything you can think of from sounds to lights and whatnot. But he said there's two that really stands out from their experience living in, in this ranch house. The first one, they were home. It was nighttime. I think they finished dinner and she's washing dishes. And they can hear right outside the window a woman singing a Spanish lullaby. He goes outside, sees nothing, but they still hear the singing and they can't tell where it's coming from. No one comes onto their property. It's a ranch. They they can see when someone's driving to the house or leaving. They know for a fact that they're by themselves, yet they're hearing the Spanish lullaby.
2: Bro, that's no bueno. I know,
1: unless it's despacito too, you know.
2: <laughs> um, but things come to mind already, like La Llorona. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of like brujari, Brujas and stuff. Yeah. I don't know.
1: So. so this really freaks him out, rightfully so. But that was that. Nothing else happened further with with the singing.
2: It's almost worse. I don't know. It's like okay.
1: It's like yeah, we're just supposed to live with that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, going back to no closure. That was experience number one. Experience number two, this is a short story, it's the final thing, is he's home by himself. His wife is out, but he's on the phone with her, talking to her on the phone. When he notices something in his peripherals moving, it's above him. He looks up. It's the ceiling fan that was previously off. It's not moving fast now. It's just moving slowly, and then it stops. He's still on the phone with his wife and he tells her, hold on a second. Something's weird. He gets up and he turns around and standing in front of him is a silhouette of black empty space with a wide brimmed hat. Oh shit! He said this thing was at least it had the figure of a person. And its head was one above his. Pat said, I'm 6'1". So this thing is at least 6'6". And then with the hat, even taller. Pat said, as soon as I turned around and it registered in my mind that it was there, disappeared. Still on the phone with his wife, he says, I have to leave right now. Gets out of the house, stays outside, stays busy, or goes to somebody else's house until somebody else can go home with him. And uh, he never experienced that again. But that's the, the the short stories with Pat and the ranch house in Texas.
3: Ooh.
1: Yikes. So thank you for sending that in. Loved hearing Nurse Joy talk about her experiences, speaking with the spirits, talking about what each spirit does in the house, what they're... Their purpose was, or not purpose, but their job. I mean, arguably,
3: the multiple of those spirits were not good. No bueno. You think so? D- the one just going around staring at your pictures all day—that's a little
1: creepy. Yeah, I don't it's like a that. little creepy. <laughs> but they're not doing anything. We don't know that
3: they're not doing anything. Maybe that's some sort of like ghost magic that they're trying to possess you by looking into your your open windows to the mm. soul on True. your pictures, bro. True.
1: You know what's crazy? But. We'll never know.
2: <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, "Damn, like fun stories," but that sucks. It's like all Are of you these still stories lead like, to like nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So many loose ends, but that's also kind of fun too. Oh, way fun! Depending how you look at it. But Pat, thank you so much for sending that in. We love that. I appreciate it you. Hell out!
2: Hell yeah! Dude, is that you? That's me. Sweet. I'm next, yeah. Yeah. All right. Early afternoon, October twentieth. 1967 we're in northern california we're like less than 50 miles away from the oregon border even less from the coast so pacific northwest yeah we are specifically in an area near bluff creek i'll just show you guys a photo so you can get a better idea of what it looks like
3: damn
1: that's beauty
3: Yes, I'm trying to go there right now. Beautiful rivers,
1: blue green rivers, dense forest, cascading. Yeah, it's uh, it's gorgeous. The bush.
2: <sighs> so here we are, early afternoon. Two men, and we will call them P and G. They pack up their truck. They put two horses in the back of the trailer. Get their dog, and they head out park in this super remote place and they get out and they start riding their horse up along the creek, Bluff Creek they're on the east side of the creek They're coming up and it starts to go around a bend and at the bend is this huge tree with its root systems that are like coming out of the ground and the roots are like so exposed It's they said it was like almost the size of a house then there's a dam of all these fallen trees right there I and mean, it's from the flood of 64. And as they're coming around, they're looking at the tree, they're looking at the roots. They see a figure crouching. And it's kind of half behind the tree, but it's crouching. One of the men, it takes them a minute to kind of comprehend what they're seeing. One of them goes into complete shock. And as that happens, the figure stands up to full height. Instantly the horses get spooked. One of them starts bucking and like really rearing up. And it's a pretty experienced horse. It was like an older horse, wasn't a young one. And the guy does everything he can to like get out of the saddle and stay on. And he hops off the horse, calms the horse down and reaches into his saddlebag. Still looking at the huge figure, he reckons it's about seven feet tall. And it's about 25 feet away. He reaches into his saddlebag, pulls out the instrument, and starts sprinting towards the figure, pointing the instrument towards the figure. Pulls the trigger on the instrument, and the film starts going. It's an old film camera. As he takes off running towards the figure, he yells at the other guy. He yells at G, cover me. By this time... P has like taken off, trying to film this thing. G jumps on his horse, takes off down the stream, gets out,
3: gets his rifle, but doesn't point. Does this figure have large pendulous breasts by any chance?
2: He's sprinting, trying to film. He's pointing the camera until finally he falls to his knees. And he gets a clear shot of the creature walking away. Three times it looks back over its shoulder until finally it disappears into the tree line. 14 seconds later, it comes back out from the tree line, looks around, walks a little bit further upstream, disappears back into the tree line. They never see it again. P, lets go of the trigger. The camera stops filming. G, on horse, takes off down the creek and tracks the beast up the creek for a while. He's standing around and all of a sudden gets a super eerie feeling. He thinks, what if this thing's buddy is around or watching me and I'm all alone here with no gun? So he hollers as loud as he can to G, come back, come back. G stops tracking the beast, comes back. And together, they go back to their camp, round up all the horses. They get plaster. They come back to the scene and they take plaster casts of the footprints. And yes, Sean, you hit it on the head. P&G, huh?
3: What does that stand for? Is is it Patterson and Gimlin? That is correct.
2: (laughs) So the footage that P captured, this is the Patterson-Gimlin film. It's Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. This is the most notorious Bigfoot footage ever shot and some of the most compelling footage ever shot. So let's just watch it real quick. So, super notorious. Yeah. A little bit of background on that. This is like 1967 Northern California. I already said rog- Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin. Highly regarded as one of the best evidences of Bigfoot. So, how much do you guys know about Patterson, Gimlin, and Roger Roger Patterson and Bob Gimlin?
1: Not much at all.
2: Okay, a lot of this background I got directly from Wikipedia. I'm just going to present it, and you guys can draw your own conclusions. So, Patterson, he had been into Bigfoot forever. He became interested in Bigfoot after reading an article about the creature by Ivan T. Sanderson in True Magazine, December of 1959. The article talks about the abominable snowman and other Bigfoot-like cryptid sightings around the world. Mm -hmm. And one place that they mention was Bluff Creek, California. 1962, Patterson goes to Bluff Creek area, talks up a ton of different people just collecting stories, anecdotes, this and that. a lot of people said, yeah you know my uncle has seen it so many times or this guy takes uh, casting of footprints so he's just collecting all this data takes off. Mm-hmm. Two years later he comes back and he meets with Pat Graves and Pat Graves is a
3: timber cruiser. I have no idea what that is. those people who ride down the timber on the rivers. do you, do you reckon? It sounds good to me.
2: <laughs> well, talks to this dude. This dude kind of, in my mind, I don't know if this is factual, seems like a grizzled old experienced guy says, you know, I, I know a thing or two about this foot. <laughs> convinces this guy, hey, you should, uh, you should take me out to where people see him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: He goes, all right, get in my truck. And They drive way out. Go to a remote spot where this guy says there's some activity. Mm-hmm. And after getting out of the truck and walking around for a bit, They come across what appears to be Bigfoot tracks. Someone later wrote about this and said for him, for Patterson, this was almost unbearably exciting. A spine-chilling experience. What a tremendous feat it would be, what a scientific breakthrough if he could obtain unshakable evidence that these tracks were not the work of pranksters, but the actual mark of a hitherto unknown creature. If he succeeded, he would be famous and rich alas fame and fortune were not gained that year nor the next year nor the next patterson invested thousands of hours and dollars combing bigfoot and sasquatch territory he fought constant ridicule and shortage of funds he founded the northwest research foundation through it he solicited funds the response was encouraging and enabled him to lead several expeditions 1966 he publishes a paperback book of his own experiences he added the income from its sales and his lectures to the search fund as each wilderness jaunt failed to see or capture the monster one by one the thrill seekers dropped out but Patterson never gave up so that takes us up to like 1967 he captures this film and it's almost like it's it's crazy he made his life purpose to get this on Footage to find some evidence and they happen to come around this bluff one day and they see what appears to be a female Bigfoot walking away uh, and he has his camera ready and able catches it on film. So that's like the story. That's the background. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to tell you other facts about it and you tell me what you think. You guys give me your answer at the end. 1967 when he recorded this Patterson had begun filming a docudrama or pseudo-documentary. So he had written a script about a man who was on search for Bigfoot who was being led by a Native American guide who was played by Gimlin in a wig. In this documentary, they would hunt Bigfoot, and I think the climax of the movie is they would come across Bigfoot in the wilderness. He would even have had to have had a Bigfoot suit made for this docum series mm-hmm. or this uh mockumentary or whatever
1: that's big sus <laughs>
2: strike one
1: that's big sus no
2: <laughs> oh big sus so right there he was literally out scouting places to film for this fake thing when mm-hmm. he came across what has since been coined as patty the female bigfoot mm-hmm. that's her name by the way so all the stickers you see of bigfoot looking back is a female named patty
1: yeah patty with the fatties yeah. Dude. hell yeah <laughs> The batty patty with a fatty. Oh, oh shit. shit! Looking hella natty. Ooh, <laughs>
2: give me them crabbies.
1: Oh, <laughs> not too shabby.
3: <laughs>
2: it's okay if you're flabby. Um, okay, so that brings us up to this encounter. Directly after they do this, it's like a kind of a media storm. They're talking to several different people. There's news, but right after this, they claim to have developed the film and sent it off within one day, I believe, if I wasn't mistaken reading. So immediately, the biggest criticisms are there's a lot of inconsistencies with their timeline. It's a little inconclusive. Some people say it would be very tight, but possible. Other people say to get that type of film, I think it's 35 millimeter, to get that type of film and that much film developed, processed, would have costed $60,000. In that time or current time? I think in that time. Which so the like, time is like nine billion dollars. <laughs> no not that much, but But
1: just to develop that film? That's what it said. That's a lot of money. I bro. don't know if I believe that.
2: I don't know. This is wiki, bro. It's truth. <laughs> it also they were like, they don't know of any center that would have been opened on the weekend, which is when this occurred. Okay. So there's there's inconsistency inconsistency one is the timeline. Two. In recounting the story, Bob Gimlin and Roger Patterson had different accounts of how it went down. Hmm. The main different accounts was how they reacted, how their horses reacted, and the height of the creature. For instance, Roger Patterson claimed it was seven feet tall, like seven-six. Roger said it was probably about six-five or less. Okay. One of them said the horses freaked out. One of them said, no, they didn't freak
3: out. Okay.
2: So they're already, and this is like right after it happened, and they're like, no. And they're like pretty openly disagreeing with each other. Right. One camp says, this is proof it's fake. Another camp says, I think this is proof that it's more real.
3: That's what I was just thinking. What? Hear me out. If you're going to be hoaxing something as big as Bigfoot, you would get your story straight. You, did you read out. this? Did you read no, this No, I didn't. But that's what I'm thinking. Like, if if we're going to fake something, we're getting our story straight. Yeah. How tall was it? This tall. If we're How not saying the same story, that kind of stands out to me that, like, maybe it could be legit and they were focusing on something else. Because or, in a time of crisis, when your mind
2: and your adrenaline is going, your memory is so shoddy. You're not trying
1: to, like, record details and
3: uh, your fight or flight.
2: Yep. So, 100%, literally, almost verbatim, what Sean said, it said, If this was a hoax they were trying to perpetuate and and pull over on the world, they would have got their story straight. So chalk that up for what you want, hoax or real.
3: It is still a little sus though.
2: (laughs) Here's some more. They also, when asked where did you get the film developed that fast, they say, I don't remember. But maybe they were asked like many years after the fact. They get the film developed and they send it away to like academic type uh, institutions. Yeah. And they're like, if you're, they basically say, if you're a serious scientist, you will look into this because this could change everything. Right. Scientists in America are kind of like, we don't give a shit. So they don't really give it any play. No one really reviews it for a long time. It gets picked up more in England and like ran on BBC. So they're getting interviewed, BBC, all this stuff. Then they get on like, you know, wild beasts of America, and then encrypted and all these like different programs. A whole ton of legal BS happens, and I did not want to read it all. So the gist is, and forgive me if I'm wrong, he sells the rights to like two different parties, and they're overlapping. So there's like a ton of legal BS about who owns these rights. At some point, a company come goes bankrupt. Another company acquires them, and they're like, "Hey, we want the film. We want the footage." So they hit up the people who should have it in florida and they, they go uh we don't have it okay well it wasn't a storage place in la let's call over there call the storage place they go to the locker they go to the number we don't have it so they go to the other person and say okay you took it out it's like you're in the logbooks you took it out to take stills and look at it do you have it nope so there's two reels the first one depicts the actual encounter where Patty is walking across and disappears. Disappeared. They have no idea where it is. The second reel is them coming back, getting the cast. It's like the aftermath. They're looking at the area, right. all this stuff. That was shown in a highly prestigious school or something. I don't know. And since has been lost. Oh my gosh. So both the films have been lost. I think if I read correctly, they made seven copies of the first reel. Okay. And a lot of them are like in private collectors and like no one really knows who has them. So they're they're like out there. Why? Maybe like billionaires own them or something, you know? Why? We'll get into that possible theory. Okay. Patterson and Gimlin. And I'm going to take a lot of this directly from Wiki right here. These are the allegations. Patterson and Gimlin both denied that they perpetuated a hoax. But in 1999 on a telephone interview with a TV producer, Gimlin said, I was totally convinced that no one could fool me. And of course, I'm older man now. And I think there could have been the possibility of a hoax. But it would would have had to be really well planned by Roger. So forever, <laughs> he was like, there's no way it was fake. And then finally, as older, he was like, mm, I could have been tricked, but it would have been would have had to have been like super well planned. Mm-hmm. So that's like the first chink in the armor which i don't know if you're allowed to say still next an author by the name of greg long uncovered circumstantial evidence of varying strength so what the hell does that mean it's like whatever (laughs) of footprint hoaxing and a possible even sighting and photo hoaxing in the yakima vicinity by patterson so he's saying yo i've proved that this fool has Pull hoaxes before and he did that to like build buzz so that he could get more funding more money right to keep chasing bigfoot some argue that it was impossible to create the suit in 1967 with the level of special effects technology they had at the time mm-hmm. so since then the film has been stabilized super clean digitally enhanced and they're like no one was making suits this good so there's a point on the other side. Uh a, a Peter Brine, who interviewed Patterson and Gimlin many times wrote, Both oh dude, this is this guy's an asshole. <laughs> so this is a point for it's real. He said, I'd interviewed Patterson and Gimlin many times. Both men lacked primarily the intellectual capacity essential to the production of a hoax. It is a masterpiece. Similarly, another guy wrote, most acquaintances of Patterson volunteered that neither he nor Gimlin were clever enough to put something that detailed together. So basically these guys were like <laughs> these, these dudes are were so dumb, dumb as hell. Yeah. No dummies like this could have done this.
1: So easy a caveman can do it? Yeah. It's not that.
2: In 2002, Philip Morris, owner of the Morris Costumes, in a North Carolina based company offering costumes, props, and stage products, claimed he had made the gorilla costume that was used in the
3: Patterson-Gimlin film. He's just trying to get clout, dude.
2: Yeah, it's like, bro, it's 20. There, it's
3: 2002. Dude, he's, he's like years later like, yo, I'm the one who created it. That, <laughs> That's that, stupid. That dude sounds <laughs> That's <sustenance>. equally <laughs> stupid.
2: Uh, Morris, that guy, said he sold an ape suit to Patterson via mail order in 1967 thinking it was going to be used in what Patterson described as a prank. Okay. Alright, next there is one, Bob Hieronymus. Now, Bob Hieronymus is like a, this huge cowboy type who lives in that area, and I believe they actually borrowed Bob Hieronymus's horse that day they were out there. Because mm-hmm. they, they he had like a young pony and they were like, no, we need a, an experienced horse, so they borrowed Bob's horse. Bob claims... He was himself in the Bigfoot suit. So he is Patty. He claims he didn't tell anyone because he was afraid if he came out, he would be liable for fraud. He was promised a large amount of money or a decent amount of money. And he was never paid. So talking with his lawyer, not getting paid and whatever, he decided to come clean. And that's when he confessed. I was the one in the suit. Hieronymus's relatives, his mother, his nephew, and a friend, all claim that Bob showed him, showed them rather, the ape suit in his car.
1: He would bring this up because then he tried to get the money that was quote unquote promised?
2: No, I think he kind of like knew he wasn't going to get the money. So maybe he was just trying to, He
1: maybe. So just reparations?
2: I, I do know that like Patterson made a lot of money off this. Like. He sold the rights. He had all these appearances and stuff. So maybe Bob was just pissed, like, yo, you're not paying me. I'm going to screw this for you. Like, I'll tell everyone what really right, happened. Right. Because he knew he wasn't going to get paid. And so he's like, all right, I'm just going to. But he didn't it. have evidence for it. So he, he has people who say they saw the suit. It's all his family so members it's and all, friends, yeah. though. Oh, my word. Word of your mouth. Word. Yeah, that's yeah. that doesn't go. Sus. There's a ton of arguments over the suit by it. both parties. They're saying the arm length is way off. And this is weird. I don't get this. Scientists and a group, a big party of people say like the way
3: Patty walks.
2: I've heard that is impossible for, for a, a human to recreate. Because you like,
3: can what? like see the muscle movement under the fur yeah. and how it's so realistic that it couldn't be faked. But even the gait,
2: the actual taking of steps, they were like no human can walk like that. And I'm like, dude, it does not look that hard. <laughs>
1: <Looks> <laughs> how like How far? A, how far away? What do you mean? Was it from the where they were filming?
2: I think so. The, the closest they that's were
1: easily to. That's easy to measure. I feel like it is measured. Could I think it's math. like a
2: hundred and something feet away when they t- when he actually took the film.
1: And like, what was the distance that it covered, and how many steps? Like, you can measure that.
2: Yeah, they did. They've done. Dude, there's like a so ton much of science history channel stuff, and, they're, Ancient and they say it's like impossible. But I'm like, I don't get it. Like, he it looks like he's walking like a normal human. So they claimed that like they're like Bob could have just like put balls under the um, arch of his foot to walk that weird, and like if he walked with like sticks in his hands cause his arms were so long.
3: I don't know. It's possible. Where there's a will, there's a way.
2: That's basically the gist of it. From what I covered, which is not everything. There's so much out there. But from what I cover, what are your guys', what are your boys' thoughts? What are your thoughts on the film? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's fake? I will say this. It is definitely compelling.
3: It is compelling. The video is real. The, the subject. Bigfoot. Uh, I lean towards I want to believe. But. But. You're about to piss off all of our <laughs> Bigfoot listeners right now. Just I'm the, the biggest one into Bigfoot here, so. I want to believe. So, yes. But also, these fools are so <laughs> bad at lying. I don't know. Like, it's, there's so many question marks. let <laughs> just, like, logically, some of these things don't make sense to me. For me, there there is,
2: like, one too many weird circumstances. Yeah. If there was, like, three lef- less, I'd be like, dude, this is probably real. Yeah, like. I will say the film looks incredible. It is very convincing. Yeah. And if they somehow were scientifically able to some- come out and say like, no, it's real, I'd be like, okay, like, I'd accept it. But there's just one too many weird things around it. <sighs>
3: yeah.
1: I say no, not real. If I had to choose one or the other. The fact that he was found creating hoaxes before is super cutty. And that he was filming something <laughs> of the like.
2: Yeah. Right. So some people say that those super two are like
1: the strongest oof, uh, arguments against it for me.
3: It is hoaxed more likely than not. It was one of them that was faking it to the other person so that they could get additional like people saying that it was legit.
1: Ooh, That's a 500 IQ play for
3: real, but they were described as too dumb to be able to pull <laughs> that off.
2: Dude, I would, I would be so salty if someone said that. <laughs> Those ones Yeah, I know. Like if we if we went out and saw like found evidence of whatever and someone someone's, someone's like, like, "Have you know, listened to their podcast?" Dude, like, they're, "They're so dumb." Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd gotta, agree though. You're agreeing with me, but I'm mad about it. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's where we stand. One most likely or one hopefully yes, one maybe no and me maybe no. All right. The rabbit hole goes deeper here. <laughs> Because I talked about the two reels that exist that are now missing. Mm -hmm. Since the release of these films, there have been talks and discussions about missing footage from this day. I mentioned it in a Patreon, I think, last week. And I'm going to be breaking down what has been coined the Patterson-Gimlin Massacre. And I will be doing so for our patrons. So if you're interested in hearing about the Patterson-Gimlin Massacre, head over to patreon.com slash the 3AMpod. And for $2 a month, you can have access to this bonus story and all previous bonus stories before. Uh, we do a bonus story every week for our patrons. So for listeners and patrons alike, head over there. Regular listeners will be back in a minute. So we first hear about this in 2006. That's the first time that the extra footage is talked about. (laughs) Anyway, that's me tonight. Shani?
3: All right, guys.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back
3: to everyone. We've gone down some crazy rabbit holes. And I want to have you join me on another rabbit hole that I took earlier this week. Are we just becoming a conspiracy theory podcast? (laughs) (laughs) We might be.
1: (laughs) Talking about uh, real quick, uh, during the patron bit, we're talking about uh, gathering of the juggalos really quick. <laughs> I brought this up to some co-workers and two of them had personal experiences with juggalos. What? One of them was in their home life. <laughs> uh, he was talking about in high school, I was home and I was doing acid. And Super my cash. brother showed up who was a juggalo oh, in a clown car no, full of other juggalos. <laughs> Which is the craziest acid acid trick reality ever. (laughs) And uh, the other kid who was there uh, said, dude, uh, me and my family went to our favorite Italian restaurant for dinner one weekend. And across the street is a venue. And that night, ICP was playing. So we walked into the restaurant. And half the restaurant were clowns just eating spaghetti. (laughs) Which is uh <laughs> the wildest conspiracy uh <laughs> reality. Bro, uh, no, like, if I break walked it. into
3: that, I would think I was an alternate universe, yeah. right?
2: <laughs> dude, that is an acid trip in itself.
3: Oh my gosh.
2: Just pasta slurping clowns. Dude, I, oh man, that overwhelms me now just hearing that. I feel stressed, dude. dude. I don't know what to do with this info. <laughs>
3: Uh, uh, you got a story though? Dude, Sean. I don't even know anymore, bro. Bring us back, bro. <laughs> so, rabbit holes. This one was kind of started from Charlie as he sent me information all about the Mandela effect. Now, what do
1: either of you know about the Mandela effect? Um, I feel like the Mandela effect could be, and sorry, this isn't a direct answer. This could be a tangent. <laughs> Could be a byproduct of the multiverse of what we were talking about with like the uh, Smithsonian yeah. control where it's like if that situation was successful, then the Mandela effect would be a definite byproduct of that. Yeah.
2: Briefly break down. Oh, wait. No. Unless are you going to go to uh, the, the, I'm going to go into some details. Why? Okay. Then never mind. Interesting but,
3: theory.
1: But uh, uh, would you agree? Like, like it a, would make sense that people would have
3: different okay. accounts. So DJ, what you're saying goes exactly into what I'm going to talk about. Okay. Okay. So the Mandela so, effect is... The Mandela effect is dot, dot, dot. Essentially, the realization that I remember something a certain way when it was not ever actually that way.
2: I.e., you're convinced this this movie was named this. Like, to the point where you're like, no, I am 100% certain. Then you go in your freaking old dusty bookcase and you open it up and it's
3: different. So, to give you some examples of the more popular examples of the Mandela effect, Nelson Mandela died in 2013. There is a large population that remembers him dying in the 1980s in prison. Dude, I thought that. He died in 2013 f- in real life. Weird. Okay.
2: Uh wait, wait. when uh Darth Vader cuts off Luke Skywalker's hand and he reveals the true, sorry, spoiler alert. (laughs) He uh, reveals the true identity of who he is. What does he say in the movie? (sighs) Luke, I am your father. Yeah. False. That's not it. That's not what he says. (laughs) And I know some of you right now, you freaking nerd asses are probably like, excuse me, actually, I know Star Wars and he does say that. On contrary. (laughs) <laughs> go watch because what he act do you remember what he actually i says? can't remember what he actually says okay we gotta look it up I got yeah him. look I'm it so up far. to know
1: for sure while you're doing that like i mean i'm sure most of you know the mandela effect the other common example is the berenstein bears where the berenstein
3: bears never actually existed it has always been the berenstein
1: bears spelled a-i-n instead of e-i-n
3: yes and I'm one of those people who remembers it being Berenstein as well. Me too. So I, I remember Bernstein Bears. Yeah, it's it was never. Berenstein. I remember
1: reading it as E. I see it in my head only as E and hear it.
3: There's some other ones. Double stuff Oreos. What are you trying to say? Oreo double stuff spells stuff with one F. Ugh. They have never spelled it with two Fs.
1: That one's a little easier because your stuff is a normal word.
2: Yep. That's used and so every you day. may have
3: just been like assuming that's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Fun. So the
1: line
2: from Star Wars is Sean, do the breathing.
3: No, I am your father.
1: He doesn't say Luke.
3: No. Nope. Oh shit. He says no. I thought it was Luke too. So that's another example of Mandela effect. Damn. Some other popular ones that could just be chalked up to us. Creating this image in our mind is the Monopoly money bags guy. People r- remember him having a monocle. He, he never does. had. He never had a monocle. Bullshit. It's you, true. He, Look it up, dude. dude. Look <laughs> like if you if you search it with monocle now, like you'll find like images of that. But in the well, original, game, it, but. it never had a monocle. Another example: Pikachu. We always remember Pikachu having like that, like on his tail, like that black like, trim lining on his tail, it's always been solid yellow.
1: Nah. I'm looking it up. (laughs) Bro, look it up. It's brown. Brown? On the bottom part of the tail, not the end. Right? And I've caught them all. (laughs) So this is... Yeah, I, I know people
2: thought the one on the left, but it's actually the one on the right. Oh, yeah.
1: So I was right with the brown on yes, the bottom. Yes, yes,
2: <laughs> I told you, <laughs> I've no, caught oh, them dude, all. You caught them all, this bro. This is actually the original Pikachu.
1: Do you remember when he was that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dude. That's, the, that's the Pokemon, like the Japanese card. <laughs> He's like super tubby. Damn, shoot me. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, there is plenty of examples now, and even like some deep cut examples of the Mandela effect where at least a certain population believes that something was a specific way and it never was that way. Now, in 2012, there was a discovery of something called the God particle. It's called the Higgs boson particle. Is that what the...
1: Angels and Demons?
3: I don't, it probably is related to the Angels and Demon movie because uh, they, they talk about a God, God particle and that. But Stephen Hawking, before the fact or before the event where it was discovered and like physically manifested, described this particle as what created the universe and what created the Big Bang. And if it was physically manifested again, it could reverse all of that and essentially wipe out everything as is. Cool. And in 2012, that. The theory of Stephen Hawking fits how the Nelson Mandela effect has now created an alternate universe where we remember things a s- different way than what they are because in the universe we are now in, it was never that way. You said the Nelson Mandela effect. Yeah, I know. Dude, it's just a mad and extra words. Make oh, okay, it sound okay. like okay. More complicated, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially. So that particle is the culprit or the reason why things are different? Allegedly, that could be the case because it's like, for example, we remember Nelson Mandela dying in the 1980s in prison where in reality he died in 2013, which was a year after this particle actually was physically created. I or I don't know how that even works. I'm not a scientist and I never have claimed to be <laughs> a scientist. Huh? But anyways, it fits the timeline. So in all of this process of going down this rather lengthy rabbit hole, I came across a story on Reddit that I want to share with you. And it could be chalked up to Mandela effect. It could be chalked up to a glitch in the matrix. It could be chalked up to time traveling. I don't know. But this story comes from a user, Thunder Keys. Wanted to give him a shout out because they wanted that, that, that cred. And this story comes from their dad. And their dad, when he was around 10 years old, living kind of the Appalachian range area, lived on his family's farm, and his family's farm in the nineteen seventy was some sixty five acres of land, just out here in the wooded forests of Appalachia. Thunder Keys, we'll call him Thunder. Cool. Said that he never really thought that like anything of this story. It was always kind of just a fun story. Until he grew older and it slowly became more terrifying as he like thought about like what had actually happened to his dad. So Thunder's dad was out exploring at age 10 and 65 acres of forest. Like there's plenty of running around to do for a young boy. He gets halfway across this field on his family's land and starts hearing like sounds come from the forest in front of him. And it's kind of strange. Like it sounds like men just talking to each other and like His dad's a farmer, so he's like, okay, maybe he's just out there with his uncles working on a project or something here in the woods. So he continues ahead towards the forested area. And as he gets to the kind of forest wall, he hears these voices even more loudly. And so he starts to walk into the forest and describes kind of this experience of walking into the woods. It's almost like everything kind of became fuzzy for a split second and then cleared up as he's walking further into the woods. Now, as he gets into the woods, he comes across an entire logging crew just in the woods, like chopping down trees, doing whatever loggers do. And he thought it was weird because all of them, equipment, clothing, everything, looked outdated. It just seemed weird. And as a 10-year-old child, he's just... (laughs) kind of looking around for his dad, like, "Uh, what are you guys doing here? What's going on? Do you know know who my dad is or is he with you guys or whatever it is? Kind of what you would expect a 10-year-old kid to do. And he walks around trying to ask who they are, what they're doing, until eventually one of the men finally notices him after a couple of minutes of everyone basically ignoring him. And the man that notices him kind of squats down and talks to him and is like, hey, what are you doing here, kid? You sh- you should go back home. And so he like stands up and the, like coaxes the kid to kind of go back out to the woods or get go back out of the woods. And so he walks him over to the edge of the forest and he describes this feeling of everything kind of going fuzzy again and then clearing up as he gets to the edge of the woods. And then he starts taking off to go back home and that was the last thing he remembered before... He wakes up in the middle of the field after 15 minutes. Like, he assumes it's 15 minutes based on, like, the time of day. He's like, you know, the sun seems like it was right there. It, it, three it, fingers? To, water, to him, it, it seemed like it was 15 minutes. And he start, He heads back home after, like, waking up. Little did he know, he had now been gone for two hours. And his mom was freaking out. Like, what's going on? Where were you? What were you doing? And at this point, he's... 10-year-old kid he's probably trying not to get in trouble so he doesn't mention anything of this this experience to his mom or to his dad for a long long time years later he's having dinner with his dad and they're just kind of talking about life and things and eventually this conversation kind of goes towards his experience and unprovoked he or his unprovoked his dad talks about how 30 years or so before they bought the land an entire logging crew had come on and like chopped down all the trees in that area. And then by the time that they were there, the forest had grown back up and was where it was at this time. And then he tells him about like what he had seen and what had happened. And at that point it's like all this like dots being connected, this click almost comes on. He's like, well, shoot, I don't know what happened, but I know what I saw was all of these men out there logging in the forest. And going back to our author here, Thunder, he said, even as he would go out into the woods, like as a child, it terrified him to think about because he remembered hearing like chainsaws or like loggers out in the woods, like talking and it would never see anything. Ugh. And whether it was some sort of portal or some sort of glitch in the matrix, we'll never know. But, that was one of the many fun stories I stumbled across, you know, looking up all of this information in this rabbit hole. How old was he? Ten. Ten? The dad was ten when this the experience of him seeing the loggers.
1: Yeah. Very M. Night.
3: <laughs> okay. Very right. M. Night Shyamalan. A little plot twist for you. Did, uh, were you going to touch on the Smithsonian thing at all? Not the Smithsonian thing, specifically more oh, the just potential like the that the alternate universe could exist due to the fact that we discovered this God particle in 2012.
2: I do know people point to the multiverse theory as another reason. Like there's so many uh, universes universes simultaneously happening to ours that are like slightly different Mm -hmm. or infinite, you know, Mm -hmm. that maybe there's some leakage to another universe. And we all are convinced it was the Bernstein Bears because in another universe it actually was. Right. We're kind of like picking up on that.
3: Well, it's the same with Nelson Mandela dying in prison, whereas some people may remember it that way and others may not. Uh Maybe it just leaked over from this alternate universe. We don't know.
1: Uh, Talking about how in the bonus story, we mentioned how would a certain reality change mine? We live on a flat earth. So what? We live on a globe. So what? Yeah. You know, like if we learned that it wasn't a globe and it was actually a, actually a flat earth this whole time, we're still going to work tomorrow. Yeah. You know?
3: Right. Um, yeah. still
2: out of shape,
1: so. <laughs> what, what are arguments against that? Like how would it actually? Like uh, on a more, more direct <laughs> level outside of like government, you can talk about government control. I feel like that's pretty uh, distant. It's distantly related. That's like their most compelling or only, only thing to I me. Mean, so is there really no way it affects us if Bigfoot was real?
2: Um, I'm, I'm
1: trying to I'm trying to give weight to the argument of why it's important to I've, know these things. I've
2: heard that anything that goes against the idea that we have of Darwinistic
3: evolution,
2: evolution is suppressed because. And this is, dude, this is, I don't believe this. I just know that this theory exists because the theory is anything that goes against the idea of evolution that we came from like a single cell and then, you know, whatever, whatever. And now we're here. Uh, they suppress that because they don't want us to believe in the idea of like a higher being or a creator or like any of that. Um, it gets really abstract. Like the the main arguments I hear is like, they want you to operate at the lowest frequency they can. And that means believing falses, falsehoods Who's like who's they? Nate. The cabal, dude. The deep state, bro. The elites of the world. Like how do you Bohemian become? Bro. How do you become
1: that elite or deep uh, uh, within the bro, deep state? these are You're people we don't even families. know. Just born. There's nothing so deep. There's nothing you can do to become a part of it. I think you can. So what is
2: it? Okay, well, like there's different. It's obviously more than money. There's different camps of ideas. One of them being like occultists. You can perform satanic rituals Mm -hmm. and. uh,
1: Sign your soul to the devil. Yeah. Or,
2: but even more real, like join these groups. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that ties into like the Epstein shit where it's like, that's a rite of passage. There's a lot of people that say this crate, the crate. Dude, I sound like a psychopath. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just telling you that people believe this. I'm not saying I believe this. I know. You know, the whole crate thing. Yep. There's an old the crate challenge right now. There's an old Masonic. I think it's Masonic, and we have a homie who's a Mason who listens. So if it's not, my bad homie. But uh it's a super old ritual that talks about moving up like steps of the pyramid and then down steps of the pyramid, and that's like a ritual way to gain more power. So
3: all we have to do is finish the crate challenge. <laughs> no. Shit, I could do that, bro.
2: I, I
1: couldn't.
3: <laughs>
1: uh it's it's normie life for me. <laughs>
2: What was your What was your question? Because I was going somewhere. Just how it.
1: to become elite. Okay, so there's elite. elite. Like what? Are like it's more than money. Uh, it's status and commitment as well.
2: This is deep cut Mormonism, but uh, they talk specifically about entering into covenants with Gadianton and the devil, even the same covenants that were made by Cain. So Uh, there is like an actual like rite and passage that you have to like go through. covenants that you could. So that is like the more Christian occultist version. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: We've talked about like the black pope opposing uh, organization.
2: There's other people that talk about um, bloodlines. And Mm. I've I've mentioned this before, but I listened to a whole podcast that broke down like royal bloodlines and how far back they go, all the way back to like Vlad the Impaler and beyond. And they're... They've changed their names so many times throughout history so that like you don't know, you don't know. who's yeah. still I mean, blood blood lines, secretly, they brag about their bloodline.
1: Bloodlines and tribes are big in, in the Bible, too. Yeah. You know, if you're a part of a specific tribe or a bloodline, They're like you're the ones who worked in, like, the temple and talked with God and worked with directly with God. Yeah. So if we use that logic then the opposite should be true where there's bloodlines where you can work with the devil maybe or have access to
2: some people believe there are family bloodlines in this world that like control everything
1: rockefellers even deeper like seven levels races what do you mean like there's theories that like jews control everything (laughs)
2: yeah that might get us banned from youtube
1: (laughs) I'm just saying there are the theories, theories that people, yeah. you know, give way to. It was the Jews. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, dude. I don't know.
2: I don't know. I don't think we'll ever discover, but it's interesting to like <sighs> posit or wonder.
3: But I think going back to your question of like, what does life actually look like if Bigfoot exists or whatever conspiracy? Like, how does, affect thing, us? Like how does it affect us? I guess we'll never know. Because if we had known all along, our lives would be different, probably. So
2: Satisfying Sean.
1: But true. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> because you speak a hard truth, brother. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I got that from the goat, bro. Who's that? That info. That 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 verbiage from the goat. I guess we'll never know.
1: From Kanye. From Kanye. Oh jeez, yeah. thanks, dude. <laughs> Donda out everywhere. Check it out now.
2: Real quick. Uh, just to wrap it up, I'm gonna quiz you guys on history or like uh, Mandela's. Okay, Snow White. What about Snow White? The Queen is looking into the mirror on the wall. What's yeah. what's the line? I've never seen uh, it. So.
3: Magic
1: mirror on the wall, Mi- mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's right? Sean is probably.
2: Okay, so most people would say mirror, 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 mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? When in reality, it is. Magic mirror on the wall. Sure. Who's Dude. the fairest of why? them they just,
1: Cause cause I I mirror, Why? I think it's just because I remember Mirror Mirror as well. Why? why? I, don't know. I don't know. I've never seen it, and I, I Mirror mirror, mirror has mirror. also
3: been portrayed in other ones like Shrek. But like, why did they do that? Maybe to like bypass getting sued or like getting I clearance. Know. I don't know.
1: Mirror Mirror seems more fitting too. What else? um What else? So, what else don't we know? there's <laughs> Some stupid about our own reality. How do you
3: spell Oscar meyer Oscar Mayer.
1: It's me. Do you know these? Yeah, I know these. (laughs) You dickhead. Well, uh, he probably researched this with his stories. Yeah, I did. So I'm not going to answer. Is it me or M A Y E R? (laughs) May or Meyer? It's a May or my
2: M E Y E R. Okay. Is the real one. Some people remember as M A Y E R. Okay. This is a stupid one. The location of New Zealand. Like some people think it's where?
1: Where where do who are these some South people first? Some people think it's northeast. I don't care where they Australia. think it is.
3: Northeast of Australia instead of southeast. The frick?
2: Well, you're just the education system failed you. If that's what you <laughs> think, it's not. That's not Mandela effect.
1: I mean, that might make sense if you're looking at the globe, like the one <laughs> and, as you're the and you're looking at it, looking you're okay. from the top, it's like <laughs> crooked it's and flat. shit. Yeah. Uh, Especially flat. <laughs> yeah. Especially if it's flat. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if it's on a frisbee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's surrounded by a wall. It's in the I... middle of the air, and you're trying to read it.
2: <laughs> okay, the 1990s movie starring actor comedian Sinbad, where he plays a genie, is called what?
1: Aladdin. Kazam. I don't know. Kazam. I don't know a lot of Sinbad movies. Uh-oh. That was actually a, a pretty all the way. funny movie, though.
2: Kazam was dope. But it says here that a lot of people remember being called Shazam.
1: Okay, now I know. Yeah.
2: Weird, dude.
1: Kazam. Yeah, I thought it was Shazam.
3: <laughs> Shazam just rolls off the tongue a little bit more easy. Those are the top examples, I think.
1: Give us one more.
2: Uh, that was, Let me see. Here's 40 more Mandela effects. <laughs> Kid-friendly Mandela effects.
1: No, we want that late night adult swim Mandela effect.
2: Okay. Do you guys remember Jiffy Peanut Butter? Yeah. Do you, Sean? Yeah. Mm-mm, Sean doesn't. Because it was never called Jiffy.
1: Oh no, I don't remember Jiffy. I remember Jiff. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
2: Some people claim it was Jiffy. I was gonna
1: say because no, that's not I real. looked at this. I was about to name. Angle. I was <laughs> thinking of the colors and everything.
2: Okay, Looney Tunes. Spell it.
1: Um, L O O N E Y T U N E S. It's not T O
3: O. Okay, I think you're right. <laughs> I thought it was T O O. Well, that's the funny thing though is like the Mandela effect hits people differently. Yeah. So like you thought Nelson Mandela died in prison, I never thought that. Like to me, he always died later on. I thought he always died in the eighties. Right. That's like it hits people different. Do you guys remember the show Sex and the City?
1: (laughs) Yeah, my mom used to watch that, and as the world turns every day. For real? <laughs> yeah, Sex in the City and As the World Turns. I come over, school, she's watching that. I turn that
2: think. off. I'm trying to watch Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because your mom actually never watched Sex in the City. It's Sex and the City.
3: Yeah. Whoa, yeah. dude. Trippiness.
2: Is that it? There's other ones like Febreze, Oscar Mayer,
1: Skechers. What about Skechers?
2: Spell Skechers.
1: S K E C H E R S. Correct. There's Any
2: no T. What's the? How do you know these?
1: I don't know. Many there people a, think there's a T. There was a kid in uh, my elementary school named E. Oh, freak! <laughs> named Ian Peterball, and he wore everyone, everyone would laugh at him because his name one, uh, <laughs> Peterball. Uh, his initials were IP, and he's a flaming red ginger. <laughs> and then uh, our, our school had something called the fun fair. The fun fair. And at the fun fair there were like all these carnival games and uh baked goods and like, the carnival games were like you throw like a ping pong ball and like the cups of water and if you get one in then you win a prize they usually gave away like goldfish or fighting fish and they would always set up a, a a mobile skate park on the the basketball court and kids would always come and skate and it's one year ian peterbaugh Came in in his Skechers and uh, took them off and then uh, put on his like rollerblades. He was like all padded up and he just kept gribbling the whole time and grippling? Gribbling. Oh. Uh, just falling and eating it. And everyone was just <laughs> laughing at him the whole time. And- oh my
3: gosh. This kid's life
2: sucks. I just, when
1: I think of Skechers, I think of Ian Peterbaugh.
2: Thank you. His name was Ian Peterball. His name was Ian oh, Peterball. Geez, Everyone pay homage.
1: <laughs> oh man. He was made and, him sad inside. And then we ate him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh
2: shoot, dude. He didn't feel any mana because he had no soul.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is not uh fulfilling.
2: <laughs> is it cheese
1: it or cheese It's It's cheese it. Gosh. You're right. I am right, bro. I am Mandela. (laughs)
2: What? Apparently,
1: C3PO
2: has one silver leg.
1: Yeah. What? See, C3PO's body has changed throughout the saga. (laughs) Huh. Okay, there's no more. There's a ton more.
3: (laughs) Like I said, it's a rabbit hole.
1: For real. All right. That's a fun BuzzFeed article. <laughs> but uh, any more before we close? No. Yeah. Okay. Last one.
2: What's the famous line when Dr. Hannibal greets Clarice in the 1990s? Silence, Silence of the, of the Lambs. Lambs? I don't know. What's the famous
1: line? I've only seen it once.
2: So does this sound familiar? Hello, Clarice. Kind of.
3: I mean, that sounds familiar, but I've only seen it like once or twice.
2: Okay, this one I straight up don't believe.
3: Hannibal Lecter Because apparently
2: he says... In reality, all he said was,
1: good morning.
3: But I straight up...
1: No, hello, no, Clarice.
0: Yeah.
3: That one's weird. I got to go watch. Does he say hello, Clarice at a different point That's in what the I'm movie? saying. I'm
2: like, they're probably like just saying... Hmm. It's not famous. That one's weird to
3: me. Well, shoot, dude. Anyway, there's a million, so let's get out of here. It's just weird to think of it as a collective misremembering of something or potentially the reality of an alternate reality, alternate universe, and we're all just living in something created by the elites. You're welcome (sighs) for not being able to sleep tonight. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Uh,
1: thank you for your alternative opinion. Thanks alternative for going Alternative
3: opinion, bro. <laughs>
1: uh, we are near uh, getting back to normalcy.
2: <laughs> Dude, we've been saying summer. that for like six months. Uh, have we? No. We had minor uh, setbacks. We
1: we preface that this summer is going to be busy with travel. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, last couple trips. We'll Jackson, San Francisco. And, and after that, we're a short
3: few weeks away from spooky season. Oh, Dude, we got to gear up hard. Get peppered.
1: Let's go. Let's um, do a live
3: show. I'm calling it right now. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: All right. Anyway. Love you
1: all. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will see you next week. Episode 105. This has been the 3 A.M. podcast.
2: Signing out.
1: Trust her, go watch her back. (laughs) Bye, let me be safe. Be careful out there. (laughs) I forget
2: every time. I'm not even
1: joking.
3: Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3 AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, The3AMPodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you.
1: From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com capsule. History' so interesting, it's criminal.
0: I'm an American vigilante. I have a question for you. What would you do if someone you cared about was abducted, taken from you? Would you call me? Would you care about how I got them back? (sighs) Download American Vigilante now.